Hi there, uh, my name's Luke. Uh, I'm here with Mikey. Hello. And also Marzi. And uh, this is Tackling the Text. Uh, Tackling the Text is where we uh, go a bit more deeply and uh, get a bit technical in God's Word. Um, this is the third sermon in our Finding More series. Um, Mikey, you've called it a, a meaning that suffering can't take from you. Can you talk a bit about what your kind of thought has been for what this talk is about? Yeah, so the way I'm framing this talk, uh, as you may have noticed, is um, I'm doing a lot of contrasting between secular or cultural approaches to things like meaning, uh, meaning, identity and satisfaction, comparing that to the Christian approach. Um, so the talks, I will do a lot of building common ground, engaging with the culture, then ultimately uh, critiquing it uh, and then showing how the Christian um, gospel can fulfill it. So as an as a evangelistic style, what I'm doing is you can say I'm building resonance. So I'm building a resonance and connection with the audience that I understand the issues around that topic that people experience or people understand in their life or culture. Then I'm creating a dissonance. I'm showing actually how... Um, if like the you, problems with that particular worldview. Yeah, p- problems with that particular worldview or approach of life. Um, and then I'm going to fulfill it with the gospel and show actually, mm-hmm. for example, with meaning, the gospel provides a much coherent, uh, more fulfilling, satisfying view of meaning. Um, so that kind of is a bit of a, a analysis or like a explanation of how the talk structure. Yeah, right. That's how you're approaching yeah. it. Yeah. Now, um, we were talking just before we started recording, and uh, you were kind of talking about how uh, the passage, uh, the main passage, is Ecclesiastes one, but it's kind of more of a topical series, uh, it's topical talk that you're doing. Um, we might look at Ecclesiastes 1, but before we jump in and read it, could you kind of talk about how, um, how you're going to package the talk in terms of jumping around the Bible and what it's about? Yeah, so I think uh, Ecclesiastes is a great starting point um, uh, to kind of uh, resonate with people when, um, you know, the, the, the key line in chapter 1 is meaningless, meaningless, everything is meaningless as they try to do life. Um, that's a point of resonance, a point of connection with the audience. Um, but then use that passage to kind of um, see where it lands. But ultimately, we're looking at an Old Testament text. So any Old Testament text finds its fulfillment in the New Testament in Jesus. Right, okay. So in the talk... There's a bit more legwork to do than just yeah. Ecclesiastes. Okay. So Ecclesiastes will be a good biblical starting point, but we're going to find that um, gospel, Christ fulfillment somewhere in the New Testament. And so uh, we'll leave that for Sunday. But in terms of community groups, it'd be great to unpack in further detail. This is where community groups is great. You can really uh, tease out a particular passage. Um, Community groups will focus on Ecclesiastes 1. Yeah, right. Well, um, we should read that and then um, break it up uh, and make sense of it. Marzi, could you read Ecclesiastes 1, 1 to 11 for us? Yeah. Uh, So Ecclesiastes 1, 1 to 11. The words of the teacher, son of David, king of Jerusalem. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. What do people gain from all their labors at which they toil under the sun? 
Generations come and generations go, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun sets and hurries back to where it rises. The wind blows to the south and turns to the north. Round and round it goes, ever returning on its course. All streams flow into the sea, yet the sea is never full. To the place the streams come from, there they return again. All things are wearisome, more than one can say. The eye never has enough of seeing, nor the ear its fill of hearing. What has, it been, uh, what has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. Is there any, uh, anything of which one can say, look, this is something new? It was here already long ago. It was here before our time. No one remembers the former generations, and even those yet to come will not be remembered by those who follow them. Great, thanks for that, Marzi. Um, Mikey, as you're kind of reading through this, uh, what's going through your mind in terms of how we make sense of it? Yeah, Ecclesiastes uh, is tricky in the sense... Um, the key to understanding it is understanding its literary context. So in today's Takane text, we're going to focus about literary context. And um, the context of what um, the author is writing about his experience of life uh, is this key word which is found in, um, if you go a few verses further, chapter 1, verse 14, it says, I have seen all things that are under the sun, all of them are meaningless, are chasing after the wind. So under the sun is a key category of what the author is trying to describe in his experience. So there's two approaches in terms of how do we understand the literary context of under the sun, and it's connected to how we might understand the author and its intentions. One way is to look at the author as more of an evangelist. And so therefore, you can say that as an evangelist, he's describing life under the sun for non-Christian. So you are a non-Christian, you do life without God, then everything is meaningless. Like a, like a thought experiment. If you weren't a, a believer in Yahweh, life, this is what life will be like. Yeah, so, yeah. life will be meaningless. Life will be, you know, goes round and round like a merry-go-round and if it just keeps going round, there's no end point, there's, therefore there's no purpose. Right. That's one way you can read it. So some people will go, hey, life under the sun, this is what you experience because you don't really believe in God. But if you do believe in God, everything will be more rosy. That's one way. The other way is to think of the author not as an evangelist but as a realist. Mm-hmm. So he is realistic about life under the sun as in life for both the Christian and non-Christian in this fallen world. And so life under the sun is not life for the non-Christian, it's life in the fallen world um, and both Christians and non-Christians live in that fallen world Mm. and that changes your whole interpretation because it means that even for the Christian, they can feel like life can be purposeless. Mm-hmm. as they observe the merry-go-round of the world. Like, you know, life could be like, I get up, I brush my teeth, I go to work, I eat lunch, finish work, go to sleep and press repeat. And that, for a Christian, can feel very meaningless because mm. it's so repetitive. If you take this second approach, it means that um, 
even the non even the Christian sorry can have doubts or it can have uh, perhaps a sense of existential crisis of their meaning in life mm. um, and so if you read it this way as a realist it means that this book is written for both the Christians and non-Christians and it's a book that comforts the Christian to say mm. it's okay if you look at life and you just don't know you can't figure it out you can't see how you know what you're going through uh, what the end outcome is going to be but there's still hope because um, the author is going to find ways for both the non-Christian and, and Christian to, f- to go through life with life's absurdities mm. and mm. life's kind of unknowns and mysteries. Now, that sounds a lot like the, the resonance that you were talking about building up as, as part of your theory. Um, could you talk about the, what's the predicament that the teacher is kind of... Um, good, good point. So... Um, so he's making Ecclesiastes resonating with both the Christians and non-Christians. The predicament that the author is raising is, uh, go back to verse 3. What do people gain from all their labor or which they toil under the sun? Keyword gain. Um, it's uh, gain in the sense of like profit. So it's, uh, it's, uh, the gain is in um, the Hebrew word is a very commercial term. So like profit and loss, that type of gain. Hmm. So he's saying, whatever I do in life, as I observe the world, there doesn't seem to be any gain in life. Okay? So that's the predicament. So we tend to think purpose as some sort of gaining something. So we think our purpose in our careers is to gain a position. um, And I think we can apply that in all sorts of things. If purpose of life... And meaning of life is determined by some form of gain. What Ecclesiastes is saying, the predicament is, um, I look at everything and it doesn't seem to have a gain. So if you go to verse uh, 5, we'll read 5 to 8. The sun rises, the sun sets, and hurries back to where it rises. The sun goes up, the sun comes down. The next day, it does the same thing, there's no gain. The wind blows to the south and turns to the north and goes round and round. So the wind goes one way, comes back another way, there's no gain. Uh, he looks at the seas. All streams flow into the sea, yet the sea is never full to the place where the streams come from. Uh, they, there they return again. Even the sea has no gain. The waves mm. come in, the waves come out. Uh, and he says, all oh, this is wearisome. More than one can say, verse 8. He says, like, there's just no gain. It doesn't feel like the world's going to any destination. There's no accumulation. There's no profit in the world. So that's the predicament. So uh, where do you go with that? I think um, uh, as I feel the, the predicament as, you know, we're three guys working at a church. I think sometimes <laughs> it feels like even our labor is, uh, you know, the sun goes up, the sun goes down, then it kind of does the same thing again. Yeah. So I'm kind of with you. We're all in the same problem together. Uh, and so what? And so what? So the key um, with... Um, any passage is to look at how it's read in its immediate context and also in the whole context of the Bible. So you can't read Ecclesiastes and get its resolution at the end because it doesn't feel like a resolution. Mm. And so you might left be feeling, this is totally depressing. Like, why should I live? <laughs> yeah. So you need to understand it as a whole book. And so um, without kind of going through the whole book, I'll, get, I'll take everyone to chapter 9. Uh, verse 7 and 
what we read in verse 7 is something that is a repeated phrase. So I'll read it out. Chapter 9, verse 7. Go eat, go eat your food with gladness and drink your wine with a joyful heart, for God has already approved what you do. Always be clothed in white and always anoint your head with oil. Verse 9. Enjoy your life with your wife whom you love all the days of this meaningless life that God has given you under the sun all your meaningless days. For this is your lot in life in your toilsome labor under the sun. Verse 10, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. For in the realm of the dead, where you are going, there is neither working nor planning nor knowledge or wisdom. So we read in Ecclesiastes this repeated phrase, go eat and drink and food with gladness, with joyful heart. Um, and so the resolution is not to try to find gain in life. Um, and that's very counterintuitive. And if we go back to Ecclesiastes 1, to the kind of cyclical nature of the world, um, uh, one way to read it in light of enjoying creation or what we can gain uh, in terms of what we can uh, receive in our life is to see it as like uh, a reference to creation. And that God actually has designed rhythms and cycles. So rather than try to go, what, what gain is there? The picture is to go, everything that God has given is a gift from God, something that we can enjoy. And so when we look at that cyclical nature, we go, hey, there's something beautiful that the fact that we have four seasons. So it's really nice that we're moving into autumn. But it's also really nice to know that next year there's going to be autumn again. And so it's actually understanding that we are not God. Um, we are just creatures. Yet God puts us as creatures in his creation. And we are to simply enjoy the gifts of his life. The life that he gives us. So food, drink, our jobs is something that we can enjoy uh, as gifts from God. Rather than going, how do I use my food, gifts? Uh, uh, food, jobs, and stuff in order to gain something more. Mm. Um, and it kind of takes you back to kind of um, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. So whatever you eat and drink or whatever you do, do it to the glory of God. So the attitude is whatever you do, life is short, uh, life is cyclical. Don't try to kind of um, figure it out necessarily, uh, but know that you're a creature um, and you can be thankful and you just enjoy the life that you have. But the interesting thing with Ecclesiastes chapter 9, you might have guessed, um, if we go back to it, there's this kind of uh, wedding picture. So verse 9 says, Enjoy your life with your wife, with whom you love, all the days of this meaningless life. Um, sorry, I'll jump back to verse 8. Always be clothed in white, always anoint your head with oil. So there's this image of like enjoying life now, being in the present, enjoying the gifts that God has given you. And this reference of this kind of celebration of life, enjoyment of life, of food and drink, uh, kind of puts it in more like a wedding banquet. And if you think about the New Testament where we find this idea or metaphor of a wedding banquet, we get to kind of, um, we even go to Revelations where we hear about the wedding banquet, the wedding supper of the Lamb. Hmm where in the future, all we're going to do really is enjoy <laughs> a feast 
enjoy God's presence, enjoy Him serving us. Mm. And so how we can, can make those connections that life is short, we're not going to figure, when things don't go to according to plan, we're not necessarily able to figure things out, and that's okay, even for the Christian. There's going to be mysteries, there's going to be suffering, there's going to be hardship that we may not get the full answers in, but we know that our life is short, but it doesn't end in death. There's going to end in a wedding banquet. And so when we kind of live in that wedding banquet mentality, when we enjoy our food, enjoy our friendships, enjoy our relationships, enjoy our job, uh, as if we're having a foretaste of this wedding banquet fellowship that we have with God, um, now, um, but it sounds um, really helpful for kind of um, you know being able to enjoy the good gifts that God gives, and to me that resonates with a lot of stuff in our culture with mindfulness and gratitude, and um, I guess it'd be helpful to for you to kind of share what you're thinking in terms of the Christian difference, because I, I suppose uh, for Ecclesiastes we kind of don't really have heaven yet. He talks about going to, going dying, and then everything kind of just stops and disappears. Uh, how does the, the kind of New Testament and Jesus, how does that kind of sharpen things and, and make a kind of Christian difference? Yeah, um, that's a good question. I, I might even throw it out to you guys. But um, with that question, what comes to mind with, because um, it does sound like this kind of like um, our culture's thing on gratitude, right? So you might get like the gratitude notebook and every day you... Just be uh, thankful for something. Yeah. Be and, thankful yeah. for something. Things come and go. Don't think about it too hard. It's just kind of enjoy enjoy what you have before you die. That's right. Yeah. So that might seem similar, similar, but I think the major difference is that we have not gratitude for the gifts, but the gifts point us to a giver who's real and tangible. Mm. Um, so I think that's the difference where I think we could be thankful and feel gratitude with the good things in life but there's no relationship around it there's no kind of concreteness uh, around as to why we receive those things whereas I think with the Christian gospel it says it because there's a generous creator God who loves his creatures and these gifts don't just pop up he's intended those things for us so that's what comes to mind. But yeah, yeah, yeah. What, do you, what do you guys think? I'll throw it over the mic to you guys. Well, I suppose it's actually, it's probably time now <laughs> to, um, uh, to... So uh, what better person to kind of ask about uh, cultural resonance than the man who uh, this morning I saw uh, is made friends with the barista down the road is now <laughs> getting free coffees and free, free sparkling water, um, our own ministry intern, Kevin Maher. How how does this um, resonate with our culture? But what are the what are the distinctive Christian differences? Yeah, um, I think uh, ultimately this whole idea of gratitude um, has been really growing strong. Um, I threw it out last week about Marie Kondo um, and her whole idea of going, "What sparks joy in your life? You should thank and should keep." Um, but that's just really thinking about. Um, the memories um, of what you've had in that project, uh, on, on that item. Uh, but if we're going to follow that track, uh, what ultimately happens um, is soon after you're going to forget those memories. It doesn't spark you joy uh, and then you throw it out. 
but what's the difference, uh, like Mikey was saying before, was that these gifts that we have um, actually point us towards the giver. Uh, and he um, is um, continuous, he's there forever, and he's never going to disappear or change. Um, and whatever gifts that we do have, even though we, we may throw them out um, or we, we lose touch of them, um, no matter what, the gift is always going to be pointing us towards God. Um, and God is the one uh, who we delight in, um, that gives us meaning in life, uh, that sustains us uh, through um, our lives, even though when life may seem um, so, so meaningless in that, in that way, that there's a cyclical nature um, of our daily lives. Mm. Mm. I so, was gonna, oh, yeah, jump in. I was going to jump in. Like, yeah, that, I think Kevin said that really well. And I think that just made me crystallize um, some further thoughts. I think the difference is we can be, uh, for, I guess, our culture's sense of gratitude is we can be thankful for it, um, but for the Christian is thankful for it because it is actually just a, um, you could say, an entree for what is to come. Mm. So that gift of relationships, that gift of satisfying work, that gift of uh, a good meal, uh, you know, we can just leave it there. But I think the Christian enjoys that, but he can yearn for more and be, anticipate something greater because all those things uh, are going to be even more abundant, more, more fulfilling um, in the life to come. So I think the big difference is time factor. <laughs> mm. We can be gratitude because this is all that is, but we can find gratitude because this is just the small bit that is to come. Mm. I think that's a bit helpful. Yeah, no, that's great. So the talk is entitled A Meaning That Suffering Can't Take From You. I've, you know, I, I've had annoying and hard things in my life, but I've never really gone through like a, you know, black, awful thing. But what's the one thing that I need to remember from all these things we've been talking about in relation to suffering? Like what's the one thing as you're going to preach this on Sunday that you want, you want me to remember um, when suffering does come? Like how's this going to change the way I suffer? Yeah, so I think suffering puts our pursuit for gain at risk. So hardships, difficulties um, generally takes stuff away in our life. And so rather than gain, we subtract. Um, but if we kind of understand that um, life is cyclical, there's seasons, there's good times, there's bad times. There's high tide, there's low tide. Um, good stuff comes and good, good stuff, stuff goes, goes and that's okay. That's okay. And so when you're no longer pursuing gain for meaning where, and you're just pursuing God and glorifying Him in every circumstances, um, then even in times of subtraction, um, we can still find a meaning that transcends the shortness of life. Mm. Mm. That's great. I'm looking forward to hearing uh, that get unpacked further. Uh, it'd be great to finish, though, uh, by praying. I think a lot of people in our congregation uh, have gone through suffering in the last 12 months, and so I think this will be really helpful but also quite intense to hear. So mm. it's probably appropriate that maybe we finish by praying. So, Mikey, would you pray for us as we finish? Sure. Yeah, Heavenly Father... Um, 
We thank you that this life is not all there is, that in Christ we find a Saviour who uh, not only saves us, but will renew all of creation. And Father, help us to um, live life towards eternity and help us to know that in our suffering, in times of hardship, you are indeed with us. But Father, we know that suffering cannot take away our meaning and purpose in life. Um, in extraordinary ways, um, suffering can actually add to our meaning uh, to really anticipate uh, the coming of you um, more and more. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Uh, well, that was tackling the text for this week, and we'll see you on Sunday.